you're listening to The Climate Show. Before getting started with this week's episode, I have a quick announcement to make. I've been working hard to get this show released as a podcast, and that time has finally arrived. The Climate Show is now available on Stitcher and in the iTunes Store. Visit our website at www.theclimateshow.wordpress.com to subscribe. Now, back to the episode. This episode is part two of our coverage of Resisting Climate Change, a panel discussion organized by Divest Concordia. Visit our website at www.theclimateshow.wordpress.com to listen to part one. On this episode, we will focus on the discussion led by Kiona akoserake Deer. Hi, um, my name is Kiona akoserake Deer. I'm from Kahnawake, which is about 15 minutes from here. <laughs> And Enrio Niateca Diabo. Oh, my name is Enrio Niateca. Um, I'm also from Guadalajara, obviously. <laughs> Just recently, they headed down to Standing Rock, North Dakota, to deliver supplies to the resistance camp fighting the Dakota Access Pipeline. So, I just want to say before I start talking that uh, I'm not very good at speaking. That's Kiona speaking. She started off by giving an outline of the experience she has had as a member of the Gananoke community in relation to climate justice. Here's what she had to say. I myself, like, in Ganawage, I don't want to say myself. Well, in Ganawage, we're not as, we don't have, like, the same amount of, like, refineries and et cetera, et cetera, and factories, but we have dealt in the past and still today with companies coming in, trying to intrude on our territory. We've had, um, we lost a lot of land. Our name, Ganawage, had, it means by the rapids. Well, Kahnawaga used to mean it there by the rapids, but it had to be changed because on the seaway, if you look over a map of Kahnawaga, you'll see the seaway was separated from the river. We used to sit on the river. So our name was changed, so we lost, um, we lost our land. And when we lost, when we lost our connection to the river, I think a lot of, um, a lot of elders have said we lost part of who we were as a people. And the only reason that this seaway was dug was for the container ships to go by, the cargo ships, the big, all the big ships to pass through. And we lost part of our land to CP rail that cuts right through our community. Um, we lost another part to Hydro-Quebec because they have towers coming right through our town. Um, and a lot of this is still like issues in present-day Kahnawake because we have to deal with the trains coming through. We have to deal with CP spraying chemicals on the tracks to prevent the weeds from coming up. Um, so, our, like myself, I'm here with uh, my boyfriend, Arunyadeka. Um, for the last couple of years, we've been encouraging like in our community for um, younger Kahnawake because we're still young ourselves, like I'm still in high school. Um, we've kind of been mobilizing in our own community to encourage people to work with the outside communities and a lot of what we've seen over the last two or three years is um, a lot of young people, like times are changing, a lot of young people are waking up to the, this destruction and this desecration that's happening to Mother Earth and they're starting to realize that it's time to do something about it because if we don't act today, we can't go back and change it tomorrow. Once you damage the Earth and change it, she doesn't ever go back. 
So what we notice is a lot of um, young people coming in looking for information and looking to find, I guess, their path. They want to, I, I don't really know how to explain it, walk beside us. And um, it, it varies on community to community. When you look at the people going in, when you're being welcomed into another territory, um, ours, a lot of the elders um, are not very welcoming towards non-natives, but our generation is. So a lot, um, a lot of people come in looking for information on things that go on. A lot of people contact us looking for information because we kind of try to stay up to date with what's going on in Indian country. And I, I keep getting off track. I, I word vomit. <laughs> so I'm, um, it's not only you know um, what's going on in Sarnia. It's not only what's going on in Standing Rock right now, um, or in Gunawage in the fall when Montreal was planning to dump um, their raw sewage. You know, there's so many attacks. I'm going to call them attacks on Mother Earth today, and they're not local either. There, you, you, no matter where you go, and a lot of what we've noticed is, um, like Vanessa had said. Um, you find these refineries, these pipelines, these um, where they're drilling to start fracking um, around native communities. And as she had said, it used to be you kill the Indian, you save the man. Well, now they're killing the land. And in, in retrospect, in the end, it'll end up, it'll kill us. Um, a lot of young people come to us, like come to the community, come to our longhouses. We have three longhouses and they come looking for information, how can we help? Well, what we try to, to encourage to a lot of these young people that are coming into the community is sharing of information. A lot of, you know, a lot of our lives today are based on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, blogs, whatever, Tumblr, whatever you want to have. And if we had had these things back in like 1990, back in, you know, 1890, um, a lot of the outcome probably wouldn't have happened how it did. A lot of people would have been more aware. So, like I said, we try to encourage people to share information about current events, not just local, but global and all around Turtle Island because we have, like, we, we just came back from, from Standing Rock. We fundraised in our community to get out there. So, um, it's not only just local things, like, because um, we, we traveled the two-day drive to get to Cannonball and that's nowhere near us but the thing is when you look at it it doesn't matter if it's close to you or not or if it'll affect you today or not with all of these pipelines going through is they're not built to last you know they're not built to last forever line nine you said what is 40 years old and it's just like on the verge you know it's just a, it's a waiting game in a sense and that's not just for line nine that's for every line for um, the dakota access pipeline the pipes that they use that they're using are only 23 inches and now that pipeline is not meant to withstand the amount of pressure of the oil that's going through it so after about 30 40 50 years that's going to rupture it's known that it's going to rupture it it can only take five it could happen as little as five and you know all of these spills that you find that are reported a lot of them actually do go unreported a lot of um, chemical spills a lot of you know um tailing ponds getting released into um, drinking water, into freshwater streams and rivers and underground reservoirs. And it's not only an issue for indigenous communities, native communities, um, 
like we try to push as much as like the information that it's everybody's issue because if you live on this planet you breathe air you drink water it's your issue too even if it doesn't affect you directly or affect you today you know it'll hit you tomorrow and it'll hit your children and your grandchildren she then passed the microphone to her boyfriend who describes some of his experience as the main organizer of several protests in the community especially the river dump protest last year they also outlined some of the issues of inviting people into the community to participate in these protests. Well, when we were doing that, we actually had, and we were welcoming in all different types of people. There was people, because I stayed there for the whole time, I didn't leave. There was people from all different nations, come bring me food, come see what I needed, bring me blankets, help me bring wood, help me chop wood, and... You know, I even had a couple people come and spend the night with me. They put their little tents up and stayed for a night. And it was nice. And then that was the younger generation, but the older generation has a different sense. They, when it happened with them, when they let people in, they were, it didn't quite happen like that. It was very negative and, uh, but we also did experience some where some people coming from other territories and stuff were saying things within our community that was starting to boil up things. A lot of hearsay caused a lot of issues when we were protesting that. But a lot of it has to do with like understanding when you go into somebody else's community, like um, if we were to invite people into Ganawage, like we had done in the fall to protest Montreal's river dump, like they wanted to dump all the raw sewage in, and they did, they dumped I think seven or eight billion liters, um, eight. So a lot of it is understanding that when you're coming into somebody else's territory or community, you have to respect their protocol and understand that they have a way of doing things that, you know, it's not done in Montreal, because we've, we've done like the whole Montreal running in the streets, um, tear gas, austerity, student thing, everything. <laughs> Um, we've been there, you know, <laughs> so it's completely different. We, us, uh, in Ganawage, like we were saying, with the older generation, a lot of the older people are not so welcoming because of um, what happened in 1990. There was a lot of tension created with the outside communities in Chattagee. There was, they burned, they hung a burning native man effigy on the border of our territory. So there's still a lot of tensions. Like I had gone to school in Chattagee. There was only four people from our community in our elementary school that was in Chattagee, and it was French. So we had to deal a lot of, yeah. like, with a lot of the racism. So a part of it is when you understanding when you're coming into somebody else's territory that there are certain protocols to follow with the traditional council and also our like our chief and council in Ganawake. But like we, us, I like I just want to say too, like if this ever gets back to them, we don't affiliate with. Our council, the way that we see them is they're a foreign government. We govern ourselves as, because we are like the community members, we don't follow, we're not speaking for the Longhouse, we're not speaking for our council, we speak for ourselves as community members. So we try to like share like what information we have for when people want to come into the community to support or to rally. Like today we had um, a solidarity walk, there was about 60 to 70 people, it was just before we left to come here. and. 
I would love to see more people come out. I would love to see people from Montreal, from Chattagui, from all the surrounding communities coming to stand with us. But unfortunately, in Gatawage, a lot of, like I said, a lot of the older community members aren't so welcoming. But times are changing. A lot of it is young people like myself and Arunia Deka and the young people at the Longhouse, the student council at Gatawage Survival School. Um, they are welcoming people in. So a certain respect, like we lit a sacred fire and um, we had burned tobacco in it and we had thanked, you know, all of creation and everything. Like our whole, we had a, we have a whole opening ceremony when we, when we come together to go to one mine to work on an issue. And somebody had gone to our fire and they dumped all kinds of garbage in it and cans of cigarette butts and, you know, there's, there's a limit I'd say if you want to go and join an indigenous community or any kind of community that's mobilizing to defend against the pipeline or against whatever that, um, I, I'd say try to educate yourselves a little bit before you walk into somebody else's community and not know what you're getting into because there's different protocols everywhere in Ganawage. How we mobilize is completely different than how they mobilize right now in Standing Rock and we notice that from our experience there. So. I think that has a lot to do with, uh, you know, uh, trying to like help people to understand that. I don't know. I lost my train of thought again. Well, it, well it's more it we're working <laughs> right now with our elders to yeah. hopefully change their mind, let them open up, and start accepting outside outside help mm -hmm. because it's they're so closed-minded that they. Uh, it's not that they they're closed-minded, it's just that it's, they have a lot of healing well, to do yeah, from what happened. a lot of healing happened. to do from what happened. There was a lot of stuff that happened in India. Mm -hmm. and, and we weren't there personally to experience mm -hmm. it, but um, Ganawage, we're very close-knit. Everybody knows each other. Everybody knows each other's aunties, yeah. uncles, cousins, grandmas. We all live down the road from each other. Yeah. It's true, it happens. I've heard, heard <laughs> the stories, you know. <laughs> we, 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 we've heard the stories. My you know? father was on the front lines as well as her dad and my grandmother helped cook for everyone and my grandmother got uh, maced and yeah. tear gassed on the bridge when they tried to when they landed their helicopters looking for guns which really all they did was steal all the beer from the marina. Yeah, yeah CMP <laughs> like, landed a helicopter coming in yeah. looking for, for firearms and bombs and all kinds of crazy radical things and they went straight to our to the marina and raided the, the cooler. Yeah, they the coolers. <laughs> So that's it for another episode of The Climate Show. Subscribe to the podcast at www.theclimateshow.wordpress.com. The Climate Show airs 8.30 to 9 as part of the Monday morning afters on CKUT 90.3 FM every Monday. The Climate Show is produced by Zoe McLennan, Simon Banderob, Emma Willinger, and Noah Petkow. The Climate Show is a CKUT co-presentation. Climate change isn't over, but our show is. See you next week.